Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined this week by Deshaun Reed and Vic Tafer. Uh, Ted Wynn is is off doing something. I don't know. He's he's not around. But uh, we do have. <laughs> what kind of kind of getting better than that, man? Uh, Ted, Ted Wynn is on assignment. There you go. We'll that's the, what, the that's, there we go. On, that's what we need. Uh, on assignment, good, good. he uh, he was unavailable this week, but. Fortunately, we, we have a special guest to help fill his place, so uh, I, I would like to welcome in our special guest. So oh. <laughs> Iggy Azalea here, ready to talk with us. Uh, what's going on, Iggy? Sean, that's, that's your girl, right? Hopefully. I mean, you know, I, I shot my shot for the world to see. You know what I'm saying? I offered to pay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, as wealthy as she to is. Pay. <laughs> I didn't, I don't... I don't. I don't get. I don't get paychecks to shake a little bit of ass on on stage at Allegiant Stadium. So I don't have quite as much money. But I'll pay for the dinner. You know what I'm saying? I shot my shot. Hopefully she sees it one day. We'll, we'll see. It's been like the national story. I mean, we've got uh, TMZ covering it, LA Times, New York Post, everybody covering the the big Iggy Azalea to Sean Reed. Uh, it's battle here. Uh, it's been, been fun. She should buy you lunch, man. You did more for her career than anyone else has in the last couple Whoa. of years. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, you know. I appreciate you. You don't appreciate I, nothing. I pre I appreciate all the uh, <laughs> the the attention. I guess there's some good publicity for the athletic. He's got a lot of you know. They actually cited they cite my names more than like some local local journalistic institutions here cite my names when things happen. We got Tashawn Reed of the Athletic. Got my full name in there. This is it's great, and I, I appreciate her. She she came to my defense. Told him to stop making it such a big deal. It's, it's you know it's, it's good good barter right there. It's healthy. It's beautiful, man start of a very beautiful relationship that uh, we'll be tracking for years to come but let's talk about these Raiders uh, two and four going into New Orleans the last three games um, really have all been about Josh Jacobs he's, he's been on a roll and the question is to go to New Orleans is like can he keep it up you know I, I don't know if, if Vic is betting the over 140 on uh, on rushing yards from Josh Jacobs for him to do it for a fourth straight week but it certainly has been what ha- has driven this offense and uh, the question is can, can we see it again yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason, you know, why he won't have the volume to to have the attempt to get there. You know, the Saints defense, they, they've been, you know, we, we kind of always just assume that the Saints defense is good, but they've actually been like kind of bad this year. I think they're bottom bottom 10 in the league in, in Russian defense and in most metrics that you look at. And, you know, you might as well keep feeding Jacobs. I mean, he's, he's the hot hand right now. The offensive line is playing pretty well uh, from a run blocking standpoint. You might as well feed him, give him, give him 20 carries or so and, and see if he can 
have another big day, you know, whether he hits 140 or not isn't a big deal. But, you know, you've been having so much success. There's no reason really to go away from it now. And, you know, as we saw last week, you know, not outside of just running, it's also helping set up the pass game to get free between the play action passes and defenses having to get out of some of those two high shells and, and respect the run game some more. And so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I agree. It's also opening up the play action. So I think the whole offense is kind of benefiting off of the line and Jacob's playing so well. I think he might get Darren Waller back. So uh, this offense definitely taking another step up. And I think um, you mentioned the Saints aren't as good as they usually are and they had some injuries, but um, I'm not a huge Dennis Allen guy, so I'm not sure if their defense will will bounce back. Yeah, I think this is a nice nice matchup. I think it should be a high-scoring game. I think both teams will put a lot of points on the board, so I think they need to score 30 to win this game. I mean, you start start looking at what the Raiders offense has done and, you know, they, they did not get off to a great start. Derek Carr did not get off to a great start. And we were kind of just struggling to understand why this offense wasn't you know, performing at, at the expectation. But um, where they're at now, uh, six games in, they're only two and four. And that's really the only part of this thing that matters. But um, they're third in the league in scoring, averaging over 27 points per game. And I know they have scored a couple defensive touchdowns, but even their offensive points board scored per game is 25. That's tied for fourth. Yards per game, 367.2. That's number nine. Uh, yards per play, they're seventh in the league. Yards per rush, they're third in the league. They haven't ran the ball enough, especially early on Early on in the season. That's why they're only 11th in rushing yards per game. But if you look at it, I mean, their they're yards per their yards per rush is third in the league. Their rushing attempts is only 29th. Um, so as, as they keep going that going, you're going to see all those numbers go up. I mean, really, right now, this is in that range of a top 5 to 10 offense, which is kind of what we said they had to be going into the season, what we expected them to be, and kind of rounding into form of, of what they are. And it's come without, really, their passing offense hasn't been at full strength outside of week one. As you know, I mean, Hunter Renfro got concussed in that game, missed the next two games. And then as soon as he came back, um, Darren Waller hurt his hamstring. He basically missed all the Chiefs game in the game last week. So if, if Waller is able to get back this week, this would really be the, the, the first time since since the opening game that, you know, the passing offense is at full strength. And in week one, they weren't running the ball while they were now. And so you, it's really been our first opportunity to see that combination of them running the ball well and having all their guns through the air. And so, and even with that, you know, them not really being, you know, having all those, those, those weapons on the field, they're still top three in scoring. And so, you know, I mean, they're playing at an elite level right now, and you, and you can imagine it's, it's only going to get better from here, you know, as they kind of work out those chemistry issues that, that may still be lingering with some guys that have been in and out in the lineup. And so, you know, I mean, not, not every team is is going to be as, as bad as the, the Texans are on defense, you know, but for as many weapons as they have, they should be able to have success, really, regardless of who they're going up against. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to give uh, Josh McDowell some credit. Um, I won't yet, because i got to see these next two games, but uh, I will say he's gotten to this point where we are, we, the Raiders, are a top-five offense. And it's not in a way where one way we thought they would get here. They've got, you know, the running game going. Josh Jacobs' his Patrick O-line has worked better than we thought. So they've gotten to the point now where they are, where we thought they should be, and they've done it a different way, which I think is definitely uh, – impressive but again their two wins are against you know two of the worst teams in the league so I think these next two weeks for me will be crucial as far as um if I can give you know Josh some credit and say nice job or if I if I can't so I'm gonna hold off um, I'm almost ready but I'm not quite there yet but I definitely think they've done a nice job of getting to the point where we thought they would be what about the Chiefs game, man? The Chiefs, Chiefs defense is pretty good. I picked know? them to win that game. I picked them to win. They lost. Yeah, so they, that's, put up, that's, they put that, up some points. That's an L. That's a, I'm, a, I'm, uh, a, I'm a bottom line guy. It's an L. Obviously, they've come. Out, the last few weeks have looked really good offensively. So if they can build off that this week and next week, and get two wins, I'll definitely uh, give Coach McDaniel's all all his flowers. Darren Waller, we talked about. He he should be coming back. We expect uh, this week. And and what what are the expectations for him? I mean, I think it's 
Yeah, I think you don't want to get overly excited like sudden. Oh, Waller, he's you know because we've seen it's been a a disjointed season for him. It, you know, missed most of training camp with the hamstring injury. I guess this is the other hamstring. It's still it's been a disjointed season for him. Hamstrings are tricky. I mean, uh, it's not a broken bone that when it heals, you're just ready to go. Um, there's a confidence that, that comes from kind of knowing that you can trust that hamstring. So I think probably we're, we, we should kind of temper our expectations uh, about Waller coming back. Yeah, I think so. Um, even when he's been healthy, he just hasn't looked like himself. You know, we talked about it a lot, whether it was, you know, drop balls or, uh, you know, looking like he's kind of out of sync with the rest of the offense. So, you know, especially if he's, he's still hampered a little bit, which I imagine he's not 100% ready to go. I mean, we saw a different player, obviously, but you know Keenan Allen with the with the Chargers, he came back from a hamstring injury and he wasn't quite looking like he was all the way right. He was out much longer than Darren Waller was, and so you know, I think it's more so going to be about having Waller out there opens up for other players. You know, even if he doesn't have a huge game, you still have to respect him as a defense. You can't just ignore Darren Waller, obviously. And so if they, they are able to get that run game going, and obviously we all know what, what Devontae Adams brings to the table, uh, maybe that helps get Hunter Renfro going and, and just makes it more difficult for defenses overall, even if he doesn't have a huge performance. So like, you you know, people, I, I know he's not like the a fan favorite right now, but like he having him out there is definitely better than, than being without him. So um, whether he has a big game or not, um, it, it should create some other opportunities for the offense. Yeah, I'm going to set the bar really low. I'm going to say all you need from Darren Waller at this point is just to be a, a reliable red zone target. That's all you need from him at this point because we've got Renfro back healthy again. you got Matt Collins to kind of emerge the guy who can make big plays at times. Obviously, Adams is the best receiver in football. Josh Jacobs is a big-time weapon now. So I really think we'll set the bar low and say just be a guy who makes some plays in the red zone, help him get some scores, some touchdowns. And that's all you need from him at this point. You don't need a lot because the offense has gotten to a point now where they're in really good shape. I mean, you could even set the bar even lower and say, just be a decoy, right? If he can even serve as as a decoy that helps free open some more of those guys. And uh, I mean, you, you want a little bit more, but uh, I mean, the, the way the offense. You're laying the bar on the ground. You're like, just just run out there and run your routes. <laughs> That's it. That's a low bar, man. That's... I mean, you know, the connection between him and Carr hasn't looked great even when he was on the field and, and we believe healthy. But I, I think for his first game back, you know, you want to see a little bit, see some signs and then kind of. They've got this this opening in their schedule, you know, with Jacksonville after just kind of start gradually getting getting more on the same page. You know, maybe that that week in you know in the Florida Sun will be good uh, good for the Hammy and and good for uh, him and Derek Carr getting uh, getting back together. The Sun's good for hamstrings. I didn't know that you put the, you, put the, you laid out the hamstring on, on, a, on a chair. And... Are you ever like in the in the you know humid and like a, a nice humid warm climate and, and feeling like you're feeling muscles and bones all tight? Like nah, you feel loose, you feel lubricated, <laughs> yeah. you feel good, man. Feel lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> Ted's missing out, man. Well, Ted's missing out some good oh, stuff man. here. We're, we're doing some great stuff I here. mean, we saved the best shows for when Ted doesn't show up. That's true. Up, That's so. true. Mr. Research. All right. Well, Tashawn, you wrote about the defense on Wednesday. and Some of those stats were, were ugly, man. Some ugly numbers in that in that story. It's not good. It's not I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think Patrick Graham liked, uh, like, likes looking at those numbers. But the numbers are the numbers. And, um, you know, they, they've been a, a pretty solid run-stopping unit. But outside of that, I mean, they are – Max Crosby getting pressures, and when Nate Hobbs has been in there, him him doing some things, um, and really not much else. And Rocky Seen has has graded out, I think, fairly well as a cornerback has been a has been a solid addition. But outside of that, I mean, the the, the defense, the numbers are pretty scary. Yeah, bright spots are hard to come by. I guess it's not really anything you know new to Raiders fans. You know, the, the cited in the article that they haven't had a top fifteen defense since. 
2002 and the top 20 defenses since then aren't aren't very frequent either um and so they were kind of used to having bad defenses and we talked about it on the last show but kind of expected more you know coming in with with Patrick Graham's pedigree and you know how highly you know viewed he has been across the league and some of the playmakers that they appear to have on defense but it just hasn't come together and you know I, I think at this point you might as well take a boom or bust approach um is you know after I looked at all the stats and how they perform in certain situations. Like they've been pretty solid when it comes to playing man coverage, um, but they're they're pretty bad in zone. You know, they're really good at blitzing. And since that pass rush is lagging, you might as well blitz some more. And so you can stay conservative, I guess, but you're still giving up a bunch of yards and touchdowns and points by doing that. You might as well get aggressive and give yourself a chance to create some turnovers and fumbles and, you know, sacks and tackles for loss, some of those negative plays to kind of set these opposing offenses back because they aren't really getting any of that right now and it's just you know this isn't i don't think it's at any point this is going to be a good defense but if they're going to be bad or, or, or average or below average it might as well be one that's capable of making some plays and kind of just sitting back um on their laurels and playing these soft coverages and rushing four isn't really going to do it for them given their defensive personnel because it's really just it's not that good so i'm not saying that these players are bad you know as you say like you know you have players like rocky sin or deron Harmon or you know devon diablo or you know insert other player who's playing pretty solid but there's no high level difference maker outside of max crosby and when you have some of the, the issues that, that they've been having it's just not enough to carry a unit patrick graham you know he's, he's he's tried to mix it up a lot you know he's played a lot of different coverages um you know he's been pretty flexible but um it, it might be better off to kind of just really hone in on that man coverage start sitting more blitzes and, and seeing if you can create some negative plays because um, you know, obviously that that's it's riskier. You're gonna have more busts with that. You're gonna give up bigger plays with that. But giving up points anyway. I mean, like you might as well take some chances and, and see what happens with that rather than just keeping this con- continuing. Because you know, I, I don't. You know, Nate Hobbs. You know, he could be back at some point this season. He's on on IR. He, he he has to miss another three games. But even with him, they weren't they weren't playing that well. And so I think it's gonna have to come from more of a strategic standpoint if they're gonna be able to turn this around at all. I appreciated the uh, the honesty from uh, Deron Harmon in your story. Uh, he's probably been their third best guy in defense this year. I thought he said, like, you know, we're a good man coverage team. We're not very good at zone. And I'm just wondering if that's something you actually can improve at this point. Can they actually get better? Uh, some of the guys who are playing now with more reps. I'm not sure you can. but um, So I think he definitely um, he's a good guy to talk to about that. I think it makes you wonder what they can do going forward. You know, Patrick Graham wasn't the defensive coordinator in New England, but they kind of had that similar – system where they play a bunch of different coverages and they change up the fronts and they're kind of catering their defensive plan to try to take away the opponent's best weapon. And I kind of asked him like, all right, so what is usually the challenge for guys that come in there the first year? And he was like, it really just comes down to the communication, you know, knowing your assignment, but also knowing, well, if we, we change something or somebody next to me is, is is making an audible or something like that. All right, what do I have to do now? And all the different coverages of passing, am I passing this off? Am I playing man? Am I playing zone? Am I breaking out of my zone? So it's just a lot going on from play to play and snap to snap. I mean, we see it. They they change formations to go from, you know, base defense to nickels and having six defensive backs out there. So it's a lot to handle, especially for a team last year for some of the returning guys. They pretty much played the same thing almost every snap. They were they were covered three, single high safety, just doing it over and over and over and over. And obviously these guys, you know, in college or some of the newcomers, they played in different systems. But as a collective unit, it just seems like they aren't aren't quite gelling uh, together and you know the guys I talk to say that they feel more comfortable in it, but like especially against the Texans, we could see like on some of those the rub route um, down there in the red zone it led to one of the touchdowns, or um, it looked like a Meek Robertson got lost on the, on the corner route that was another touchdown. It just seemed like they're they're having some miscues on the on the back end um, that are leading to some busting and giving up some big plays in the pass game. 
I'm just going to raise my, my coffee cup to uh, to Raider fans. I'm just thinking about all the uh, all the coordinators in the last decade or so who've come in, had a new system and new guys, and, oh, it's going to take time. You know, we're, we can't quite get it. And then, like, man, it was like, what a list, man. Like, uh, Gunther, and you got uh, Gus Bradley, Ken Norton, Jason Tarver. I just, it's the same old spiel every year. I must get old for Raider fans. So, uh, anyway, just a random random thought. Constant denominator is, is the personnel just isn't that good. Like with all these schemes, like you can have all the schemes that you want, but like if 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 your defenders just aren't very good players, like this is going to be a you know below average defense or bad. And you know some of the and they just have this consistent thing where the, the additions that they make on defense just don't pan out. You know, so far this year we can't say it any other way. Chandler Jones has been extremely underwhelming. You know, even guys like Bilal Nichols on the inside, he's been a good run stopper, but he hasn't had any sort of interior pass rush, which was a strength last year. You know, the cornerbacks that they brought in, you know, Rocky Sins played well, but Anthony Avery, he's been hurt. They just aren't getting any their additions that they make, whether it's draft pick, young guys. You know, Trayvon Warwick, he, he seems to have taken, Merrick, he seems to have taken a, a step back this year. And so their additions just don't pan out for whatever reason. They got It's been different GMs making the decisions too. So it's not like <laughs> you can't blame Mike Mayock in them anymore. So it's just... You know, it's, it's a bad. I don't think it's so much, you know, it's the schemes or whatever, because these teams all run the same coverages in, in some way. And, and it's only so many different things you can do on defense, but they just haven't had the players for basically 20 years now. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One thing I don't know we've really talked about is bringing in Patrick Graham and bringing in you know that scheme and 
bringing in guys like Deron Harmon, you know, from that scheme and whatnot. That scheme has been praised for the ability to adapt and do all this stuff and can change week to week. But it had success doing that when the head coach was maybe the greatest head coach in NFL history and the guy who runs that defense, you know. And so you're taking what was done under the Bill Belichick umbrella and then trying to bring it without having Bill Belichick. He's the one who's who really is making those weekly tweaks and those weekly game plan changes. And so I think, you know, obviously you're not going to hire Bill Belichick to come and run your defense, but I think that's what, one thing that's hard is that you're, you're bringing in somebody who maybe has learned from him and is trying to do what he did, but it just isn't him. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's sometimes the Patriots, their defense, they are they haven't always had these big name guys. A lot of times it's these UDFA guys and late round picks and guys who flamed out elsewhere that end up playing great for them within their system. So there's definitely something to that. And we see guys leave there every year. JC Jackson, none he got hurt, but you know, before that he wasn't playing well with the Chargers. And so there's something to that. Like it's just in all all his coaches, everybody from his tree, they just can't do what he does. And I'm not saying that Pat, I don't think Patrick Graham is trying to be Bill, Bill Belichick or anything like that, but he's found success in, in other spots. But Everything about it sounds great. You know, we're going to be adaptable. We're going to play all these different fronts. We're going to take away their best weapon. We're going to do, you know, week to week. But it's like, you know, if you don't do that shit well, like just because you're doing something different, does it like really help you? That's a lot of teaching. That's a lot of absorbing. Like you've got to you've got to be able to teach and coach that really well. And you've got to have players that can absorb all that information really well. I mean, we know, Vic, when, when John Gruden came in and suddenly those offensive players like looked at what their weekly install sheet was like and they're like, holy shit. Because it, it were just suddenly they were just given these huge weekly installs, and that can be overwhelming for players. Yeah, and you want to get to a point ideally where you have taken the system, you have the knowledge, but you're still reacting. You're sitting there thinking about plays on the field. You actually, you know, you're actually thinking about for a split second, and then actually just playing ball and reacting to what's going on. That's hard to do when you have a new system. And you're constantly like, well, where should I be? What's my assignment? What happens if that happens? So definitely, it's more mental work. I goes into at this point as a first-year guy in a new system and you would want, ideally so. It does take time. I, mean, I was joking about all the coordinators and all the same spiel, but it does take time and it does take, when you come in, I'm sure half the guys in this defense are not guys that Graham would want normally. It's guys he inherited and it's kind of who he has, but going forward, he's like, I don't really want that guy. I don't want that guy. I want somebody else. So you kind of, it, do, it does take time to kind of get your stamp on things. And unfortunately, been a lot of stamping on the Raiders defense the last decade. It's kind of, uh, another reason why it's a big mess, but uh, but like Deshaun said, talent is uh, is number one. And again, this year they didn't do a great job bringing in you know uh, talent both in the draft and in the free agency that would help right away. And defensive coordinators don't get three, four, five years to like develop a defense and bring in their talent because either you're not doing well and you're gone, or you're doing well and you're promoted. So it's like, you don't have like you don't have multiple years typically as a defensive coordinator to mold the roster in the exact way you want. I wonder if you think like going like, you know what, you think year two is my sweet spot. You're right. I don't have a long time, but year two is where I'm really going to like make the big move. Like year one, I'll do some things, play some flash plays here and there. I'll, I'll have some some moments where I look like it's what I want. But really to truly evaluate me, you got to wait till year two when I have more of my guys in, a year under the system, and then they can make, make a difference. So I wonder if that's in the, kind of in the back of their minds a little bit, all these coordinators who you're right, don't have a long time to, to get it done. Yeah, I think in the short term though, like when you're trying to, they're trying to win now, obviously. They're trying to make a playoff push. Like You might as well lean into – I know you want to run your stuff, but lean into what the players that you have because you can't really do that much about it. I know the trade deadline is coming up, but there's 
we'll talk about it later. And it's not a lot of marquee names out there. Like you might as well lean into what these guys are are, are good at. You know, I, they can't play man coverage every snap. Like, you know, they, they have to play some zone. And so they, you know, Deron Harmon is right. They're going to have to be better in zone, but dial it up even more. Why not? It's the Texans. They play like 70 something percent zone for some reason. And Davis Mills was carving them up. <laughs> you know, it's, so there's no reason to, to do that. And, you know, if they, if they can't get the pass rush. You got to send some more heat. Like, like, I know it may not be ideally what you want to do, but you can't just give these quarterbacks all day. In addition to your your, your secondary having the issues as having like teams are going to pick you apart again. The run defense has been has been elite, you know, really good. But that they have to figure out something then from that pass coverage plan um, that's different than what they've been doing. They can't just keep beating their heads against the wall because as good as the offense has been, like it's basically leaves them with no margin for error. Like they have to score thirty plus points or something like that every week to win, and that's just I guess it's sustainable, but. You're going to have some lapses in there, and they don't really have room for lapses given the way that they, they started this season overall as a team with their 2-4 and four record. All right, let's talk trade deadlines next week and last week. People probably didn't enjoy how much uh, chatter we had about who the Raiders should be trading away. But, you know, we, we, we've changed our, our, our vision. You know, they, they won last week. They're 2-4. and four. They're going uh, on the road to New Orleans. Hey, they win there. They're 3-4. and four. They're only a game back of the Chargers for second place. Like, so now— Let's let's look. They can't do anything right now. I I think that's they're kind of still in that up in the air. If you fall to two and five, you know, but they go win this week. They've got until Tuesday to make some deals. Um, do they become sellers? And, and if so, what are positions that we could see them targeting? I know we spent a lot of time, obviously, in the off season training camp, bringing our hands about uh, bringing in another offensive lineman. At this point, with all the combinations, the 11 combinations you've already tried, and they're playing fairly well, I, I don't know if you want to bring in an offensive lineman just because it doesn't seem like there's probably any real impact players. But are there any other positions or other players you guys have in mind that, that would be good to target if the Raiders really do go into buyer mode? It doesn't seem like there's any any glaring um, areas on offense. So I think if they, they do go for somebody, you, you would think it'd be on defense, especially with the, the struggles that they've had on that end, as we just said. Um, and, and, you know, I guess pass rusher would, would be the, the top, top position that you would look at. It's just not too many, too many guys. You know, we saw Robert Quinn get dealt to the, to the Eagles and he was like the biggest name by four outside of that is, is mostly, you know, kind of guys either that haven't done much this season or they're up there in age or something of that nature, but the Raiders, you know, they only need a starter. They just need a guy who can, you know, provide a little bit more juice as a rotational pass rusher. Clee Farrell's played well this year. Like he, I think he has a higher pa- pass rush pressure rate right now than Chandler Jones, but, you know, still use another guy in there. It's a short list, but there's, there's uh, Jerry Hughes with the Texans who they just played. He has four sacks this season. He's an older guy. He's in his mid thirties. So I, I don't think it would take very much at all to acquire a guy like that. There's some younger players like Chase on from the, the Jaguars who hasn't done too much that maybe they just like their tools or they like what they did in college. Maybe they can take a swing on a guy like that. But, you know, at the other position on defense, you know, I mean, linebacker, you know, Jayon Brown, he's a guy that's probably coming back this week. They have Blake Martinez and Denzel Perriman, Defonde Ablo. I don't really think there's room for another linebacker at cornerback. You know, Nate Hobbs, you know, could be back at some point. Um, and, and, you know, they, they have a decent amount of depth at, at cornerback. Like, it's not really an issue of bodies. It's just been performance. And same thing as safety. And so, really, you know, pass rusher just seems like the the position that stands out. There's, there's not a ton of great options, but, you know, maybe there's a guy out there that they, they like that they can go get for maybe one of those those late round picks. I don't know. I think if they're going to make a move, I'm not sure they will, uh, but if they are going to make a move, um, uh, this is a guy I didn't think they should get uh, two months ago, but Dominican Sue is still out there. And Dominican Sue, I imagine his price tag has gone down. He can definitely be an impact guy 
on your inside, and especially um, fewer games, it can give you uh, probably more plays per game. So, I mean, if you're going to do something, why not do that and, and save your picks? I'm not sure you have about to trade the other way. You can't really, there's like no players you can really deal, I don't think, that people want want back from you. So I'm not sure you want to trade picks because you're kind of in that. You're, you obviously want to win this year, but you're also looking past this year and kind of building something for the future. So I'm not sure trading picks for a guy who may or may not help you is really the answer. So I would, I'd call Sue and say, what will it take? And, I mean, I can't imagine it's that much anymore, but I don't know. Maybe he's enjoying his semi-retirement. But um, he's a guy who definitely could play on this defense and I would think have an impact. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best player that is out there, I would think, in terms of, like, that fits a need for them. And it's kind of interesting that he hasn't – hasn't. Uh... I'm laughing because our producer just yeah. said bring back Arden Key. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been looking pretty He might good. come back, new regime. The Arden Key way, as he said himself. Nah, but I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with Sue, because interior pass, as much as we focus on Chandler Jones, the interior pass rush has pretty much been non-existent this year. They don't have any sacks from guys who play in the interior. And so bottom of the barrel picks right now, guys, more, more than likely they're, they're probably going to end up not making any huge splash moves. So I don't think it'll be a you – know, either way it goes. Like even if – let's say they go out there and, and lose to the Saints – this Sunday, I don't think they're going to all of a sudden just trade Josh Jacobs and trade so-and-so and trade. I, I don't think it's going to be a fire sale. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate too much activity. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, do you consider trading Josh Jacobs? So once he delivered like that against the Texans, a third straight game like that, and, and I think our, our trade Josh Jacobs talk was like, okay, if, if they fall to one and six, then you might as well do it. But at this point, it, it, I, I think you, you're pretty much waving the white flag on the season if you do something like that so uh we can we can scrap all that talk but we haven't we've gotten all this way and we haven't talked about the big blockbuster move they did make trading jonathan hankins uh to the cowboys for uh for a sixth round pick uh hankins and a seventh rounder um kind of the writing was on the wall there when he was inactive a couple weeks ago and um guy that you know just his he kind of fell out of, fell out of a role yeah, to me, it's a classic case of the whole new regime. You know, player, you don't really, you're not really your guy. Because are we saying Neil Farrell Jr. is a better player today than John Hankins is? I don't, I don't think so. I think Hankins is still good enough against a run where he probably gives you more impact now. But maybe like in terms of you know future and growth, and I'm sure Farrell is a guy that they're pretty high on. So I guess it makes sense to give him more reps and and get something for Hankins might as well. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, if you are really making a push this year and trying to be a team that can, you know, make the playoffs. I think he's a guy who can help you. So, I mean, whatever. It's not a huge deal, but um, I think he's a good player. He's not great, but he's definitely a solid, solid run stopper. Yeah, he was like fourth uh, among defensive tackles on the roster in snaps. So he was, you know, he was a reserve guy. I mean, um, and they may have guys who've been strong run stoppers. Like I said, Bilal Nichols and Andrew Billings has been really good against the run um, as well. And so, uh, Hankins being another run stopper is kind of a, a little bit of a redundancy for them. Um, and they, they need some more pass rush juice on the inside. And Neil Farrell is a guy that, you know, with his career at LSU, he, he displayed that, you know, Hankins has never been a guy that's going to get a bunch of quarterback hits or sacks or pressures, but you might as well get the, I mean, they drafted two defensive tackles for a reason. You might as well get those guys a chance to get their feet wet and see if they can give you some more, some more pass rush juice there on the inside and get a late round pick. You know, I mean, six round pick isn't really a big deal, but you never know. I mean, they, they've had some late round pick hits um, here as of late. And so just a, a little youth movement move. I don't think it's a, a big game changer for the defense overall, given what Hankins role was. Yeah, we'll see if some of the young guys, you know, Farrell and, and Matthew Butler, the kid out of Tennessee that they drafted, we'll see if either one of them are able to get something going here. 
All right, we're going to take a couple questions here before we uh, roll on to our predictions. Uh, we'll start with this one from Sean Smetana. Uh, wants to know, what's more surprising, Andy Dalton being 3-0 versus the Raiders or Ryan Fitzpatrick being 4-0? Andy Dalton is uh, is starting against them over a healthy Jameis Winston. Uh, so what's, what's more surprising to you, that Dalton is 3-0 or that Fitzpatrick is 4-0? I think Dalton, because, I mean, he played for the Bengals for a long time, and he, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's magic. You know, you know, he can he can get he can get hot every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Make some make some some things happen. So you know, he, he, I can see it. I can see it. But Dalton surprised get, get Arden Key to rip his face. Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. That makes a little bit more sense. Dalton is a little surprising. But the good news for the Raiders is it appears that he he may stink. Um, he he did throw three interceptions last week on some of the I don't know what the fuck he was looking at. He's, he's just yeah. So he's been very boomer bust. Like yeah, he's up there in like touchdown percentage, but he's also up there in interceptions, and he still looks like Andy Dalton um, that we all that we all come to know. So you know, I, I guess he could pull some magic out on Sunday, but I think that's a a, a nice uh, favorable matchup there for the for the Raiders. Somebody they could they could take advantage of. I'd say I'm more surprised about Fitz Magic. I thought, I mean, Andy Dalton back in the day was kind of nice. He was kind of like the Derek Carr of his era, kind of the Red Rifle was the guy who people thought, you know, is he good enough? He's not good enough. He was definitely people were torn on him. I kind of had some, had some big days. I mean, he went went to the playoffs what every year for the first three four years of his career. He like was he was pretty darn good for a while. I mean, uh, and Fitz Magic, you know, obviously lovable character, but he's been on what twenty five teams, and uh, so I mean, you're four and zero. That's definitely to me a little more surprising, but. Both guys had their moments. I think um, I'm a little surprised they went with him over Winston. I thought Winston has, you know, um, they started off with Winston. I don't know if Dalton's been that good where you think, well, we'll stick with this guy. So I was a little surprised they went that direction. I guess maybe Dennis Allen saw numbers. 3-0 is 3-0. We got to – this is his This is his spot. So what, what do I know? How bad does DA want this game? Oh, so bad. But who wants it, who wants it worse, <laughs> DA or Mark Davis? I mean – Mark Davis, oh. yeah. If they lost to Dennis Allen, I would not want to be there when Mark Davis goes to Josh McDaniel's office after the game. That would not be a good moment because uh, not a lot of love lost between those two guys. So it's a big game for uh, for both those guys, for DA and also for uh, for MD. All right, last question here, then we'll make our predictions. Uh, Luis Velasquez wants to know, uh, he says he's going to New Orleans for the game. Yes. Will you guys be doing a meetup? Yeah, I'll be at Bourbon Street about 4 in the morning. So uh, come, come, find, come find me. <laughs> We need you, Luis. Luis, your job this weekend. Escort Vic back to his hotel. Make sure he gets back to his hotel. Go to Miller Street about four a.m. Look for a guy about six seven. You know, I'm easy to spot and uh, get me to my hotel. Well, thanks. Four a.m. for a noon kickoff. You're bold, man. Bold man. I'm just talking shit. I'm not gonna be at four. My mom's my mom's listening no, to this. So I, I'll be in bed by one, mom. Don't worry about it. I'm good. One. I don't believe that. I'm Come telling on you. Now. Not for a second. I'm, I'm a new man. All right, prediction time. Who's on the Dennis Allen train? <laughs> I'm not sure Dennis <laughs> Allen's mom's on the Dennis Allen train. He's got he's got a bad record though as a coach, but um, I think I'll be close. I think I'll be. Um, I do. Th- I'm definitely. If I'm the Raiders or a Raiders fan, I'd be really concerned about Alvin Kamara, obviously, and also Taysom Hill looks like a guy who could do a lot of damage against his defense. So I think I score points even with Dalton at quarterback. So. I'm going. Uh, I go 30 every week for the Raiders. I go 30, 27 Raiders uh, in a close game. I'm going with the Raiders in this one. I think. I think it'll definitely be a shootout. You know, the Saints be interesting to see. I think their their health at receiver um, could be big. You know, Michael Thomas and um, Jarvis Landry have both missed some time, but they, you know, see if they're they're able to come back not or not this week. Um, if if they're both back, then obviously that. The Saints' offense has already already been pretty productive without them on the field, so they get even more scary um, if they're there. I think we're going to have a high-scoring affair. I'm going to go Raiders 
37-34. I think we have a, an entertaining game, a lot of points, not not much defense, but I, I think the Raiders pull it out at the end and uh, you know keep their push to try to turn the season around. The Saints, I believe they've given up the most points in the NFL. They uh, give up 42 to the Cardinals uh, last week. They do. They are on that extra rest playing that Thursday night game. But, uh, I mean, the Raiders' third highest scoring offense in the league, and we know they, they've been getting on a roll the last three weeks. So I'll go uh, Raiders 35, Saints 28. Wow, take you over. Woo. A lot yeah, of we points. Got some points in this, man. We're all back on the uh, on the unanimous train. It, it worked for the Raiders last week. We do, we we don't. You know, our producer t- um, does say that Ted is taking the Saints. Uh, I I don't know if that's uh that's confirmed. Yeah, he's not but, here. Uh, he's well, not here. We're not, we're not we're not he doesn't count this well, week. Which Iggy's pick? I don't know. Let me text let me, Iggy for us. Yeah, let me text. Fi- find out. Find out. Let me text her and see <laughs> find what she out her pick. I think she's a Raiders yeah, fan now. That's her. Yeah. There we go. He's rooting for the Raiders. She's probably taking the Raiders. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back, of course, Sunday after the Raiders take on the New Orleans Saints. Adios, amigos. Come find us on Bourbon Street. Yeah, I did some research, and um, I had butts on my mind. Yeah, get him a margarita and a lap dance, dude. Come on. <laughs> Tight butts. Just win, baby. <laughs>